You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Student Pastor Josh Barnett. We'll open to Romans 15. We're going to talk tonight. It's going to be really good. I'm excited. God's Word is really good. I want to encourage you as we start, um, don't just, don't settle for fast food Christianity. Don't settle for, we live in a soundbite era. And so it's real easy to just get little snippets or a little whatever, um, or, or, or just read the verses that we like to read or that are easy to read. So it's important as we start this tonight, don't bail out on verses you don't understand. Go deeper. Don't bail out on verses that, that are hard to understand. Um, go deeper. Go deeper. Um, it's part of intimacy with the Lord. It's part of pursuing relationship with him. It's part of, of going after him and, and seeking to understand him and getting to know him better. Um, so I, I really want to encourage us that, that whenever we come across things like, like you don't understand, read a commentary, cross-reference it, find a sermon on it, but do, some, but do something to where you help yourself understand scripture and don't just say, well, that's hard to understand. I'm not gonna read into that anymore. Or that's, you know, that part is boring. Well, it's, it's not boring. It's surface level. It's boring. You gotta, you gotta go deeper. And especially in Romans 16, it's a very, very overlooked passage that we're going to look at next week. Um, because people start reading and go, well, I don't want to read this. It's kind of boring, but there's so much there. There's so much meat there. Um, it's, and it's really, really incredible. So uh, I just want to preface that as we get into this tonight. Um, at the, in the beginning of chapter 15, Paul is going to continue his train of thought from chapter 14 into chapter 15. And I'm not going to go into everything I, explained last week in chapter 14. If you missed that, go back and listen to the podcast. But he just in these first few verses here is going to kind of give us a recap of that. But basically his whole central theme of it is be unified. There are some things that are disputable. There are some things that are doubtful. There are some things that that you are going to disagree on. And he's saying, get along and be unified and agree on the main thing. Agree on the essential things. God wants his people to be unified. And I think sometimes it's something Something that's very overlooked in the body of Christ is unity. I think sometimes we just think unity is going to happen by itself, but unity is actually something that we have to work at. We're going to have to get along with people that may not be from the same walk of life that we are. We're going to have to get along with people that we may disagree with on certain nuances or certain things that Paul says, these are disputable. These are doubtful. These things aren't a big deal. Focus on the things that are a big deal. Um, he, Jesus longs for us to love one another. In John 17, he says, that Lord, may the world know they're my disciples by the way they love one another. And so the world should be looking at the church going, wow, that's different. Wow, that's so different than what I've ever seen. God must be real. That is what Jesus prayed for us in John chapter 17. And so if Jesus prayed it, it's probably a big deal. So unity is a really big key. So let's, let's start this chapter 15, verse one. It says, we who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. We must not just please ourselves. We should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. For even Christ didn't live to please himself. As scriptures say, the insults of those who insult you, O God, have fallen on me. Such things were written in scriptures long ago to teach us and the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait, wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. So he's saying here, like, don't live to please yourself. It's, it's the, and this is the opposite of what the world tells us to do. You know, do what you feel, do what you want, do what, do what betters you. And Paul's, Paul's saying, Christ set the example for us. Like, don't do what just pleases you. 
Look out for other people. Jesus is our example. He was a servant of all. And he's saying, if you're strong in the faith, help those who are weak in the faith. Don't despise them. Don't judge them. And if you're weak in the faith, don't look to those that are strong and despise them and judge them. But let's team up. Let's join together. And if you're strong, help those who are in legalism. Help those who are bound by religion. Help those who are struggling with sin. And if you're weak, don't despise those people who are trying to help you. And don't, you know, don't look out for yourself, build them up. And it's not, it's not a, um, it's interesting. It's not help them do what they want to do. It's help them do what is right. Help them do what is the right thing to do, not necessarily what they want to do. I've always heard that great leaders don't take people where they, where they want to be. They take people where they ought to be. Philippians 2 verse 3 Verses three and four says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. And I I talked a lot about just our Christian liberty that we have, but walking in liberty that is controlled by love. And so don't, if you're a strong Christian, don't do anything in front of weak Christians that's going to cause them to stumble, that's going to cause you to, cause them to look at you in a different way, that's going to cause them to judge you in a, in a not right way. And, and Paul gave us a perfect example of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He said, I become all things to all men. And so he says, when I'm with the Jews, I act like a Jew. I follow their traditions so I don't offend them because I want to win them over to Christ. And if I just walk in there and I break all their laws and I do whatever just to kind of shove it in their face, well, that's not kind. That's not love. That's not going to win them to the Lord. And so he says, when I'm with the Jews, I bear with them. And I'm with the Gentiles, I bear with them. It's, and, and he's not saying I go, I go and I sin with the Gentiles. He's saying I bear with them in their weakness. I try to pull them out of it. And with the Jews, when they're stuck in their old traditions and their old ways and their old laws and their old legalism that's died, I'm going to pull them out of that, but I'm going to bear with them in the meantime and not do it in a, ju- in a judgmental type of way. <clears throat> and so, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's good. It's, it's much easier to just cut people off that we don't agree with. But Paul is saying that's not the right response. That's not what we're supposed to do. We're, that's why I said last week there's a thousand different Christian denominations. There's 200 major denominations in the U.S. That's why we're all divided in these little camps because of disputable or doubtful things that we get so up in arms about. So anyway, and then he, he, he shows us that, that Christ was the perfect example. He was the servant of all. And he even said, I took on their insults. I took on their sin. I took those things to the cross. Can't you just bear in their weakness? Like Jesus is saying, like, look what I did for everyone. Can we not bear with those that we disagree with? I gave my life on the cross. Can we love each other despite their difference of opinion or their difference of conviction? And I love verse four. Verse four says, and the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. That is such a good word for us. God, the Bible gives us hope and encouragement as we wait for his promises to be fulfilled. Now, that's why knowing the scriptures are so important because if you don't read and know them, you're not gonna be waiting for them to be fulfilled. But these scriptures give us hope. These scriptures give us encouragement. That's why it's so important that we read them, that we dive into them. And if you'll read about what God has done, it will encourage you. 
It will, but so often our, our Bible gets neglected or it gets left on whatever, you know, we leave it on our nightstand or we don't, we don't set reminders on our phone or whatever. And we go days without reading it. And then we wonder why we're struggling with stress and we're struggling with anxiety and we're struggling with different things. Open God's word. If you need hope and encouragement, dive into this. And if you'll stay in this place, you'll stay in a place of hope and encouragement. It gives us confidence for our future. Let's move on. Verse five. Verse five, Paul says, may God who gives this patient and encouragement help you live in complete harmony with each other as it is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice giving praise and glory to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul says like, get along. And then he immediately starts praying for him. Like, you know, may God, the God of patience, you know, he starts praying um, for people to walk this out because this type of living together can't happen without the Holy Spirit. It's going to take, it's not by our flesh. It's not by our own strength. And I love that he says the God of patience. You're going to have to have patience to get along with people. It's a fruit of the spirit. And you, you can't really walk in patience for a long period of time. If you don't have the Holy spirit actively working in you. So we can't have this kind of unity that he's talking about absent of the Holy spirit. We've got to have it. And so Paul begins praying like you can't do this unless you have, unless you have him. Most translations don't say harmony, they say like-minded, like-minded believers. And again, he's not saying that you're going to agree on everything, but he's going to say that you agree on the main thing. The essentials, yes. The non-essentials, no. There may, be, there may be some disagreement there. But it's God, the one who gives us patience and encouragement to bear with one another. It's going to take patience and you're going to need encouragement to live in harmony with fellow believers. Have you met Paul Kern? Have you met Tim Brooks? I pray for patience daily. I need encouragement constantly to work with these guys. I'm kidding. <laughs> they need patience with me. <laughs> but you're, it, you get around anybody long enough and there's going to be things that you disagree with. You get around, you get to know anyone long enough, you know, the, the, the spouses in the room, you know, you, you're all lovey-dovey and you're in the honeymoon phase and all that stuff. And then you're married to them for a month and you're like, wow, I never noticed the noises that you made while you eat. But now that I'm with you every single day, you're really annoying to me <laughs> or, or like, you know, wow, like I didn't realize that you've never used a laundry hamper in your life before. And so, you know, these things come out, like, I don't care if you're married or if you're friends with somebody, things are going to come out that you disagree on. Different things are going to happen. We need patience and encouragement from the Holy Spirit to get along with each other. <laughs> Let's move on. Verse seven. It says, therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. Remember that Christ came as a servant to the Jews to show that God is true to the promises he made to their ancestors. He also came so that the Gentiles might give glory to God for his mercies to them. That is what the psalmist meant when he wrote, for this, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing praises to your name. And in another place, it is written, rejoice with his people, you Gentiles. And yet again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Praise him, all you people of the earth. And in another place, Isaiah said, the heir to David's throne will come and he will rule over the Gentiles. They will place their hope on him. I love verse 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, will give you, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's like a t-shirt verse right there. That's, that's one you can hang on the wall right there. <laughs> uh, 
Paul is showing us though that Jesus is not asking us to do something that he didn't do. It's something that he did. He came, he was a servant, he bared with the weak. He became a servant to the Jews. And so he's showing us, unite together. And he's telling the Jews, like, look at all these prophetic things that Jesus said about the, the Gentiles. So you, you gotta know, like, the Jews and Gentiles, we've talked about it in this Roman study, them coming together and being one church was a big deal. This was like, this was a paradigm shift for them. There's, the Jews thought there's no way that his grace is this good. There's no way, like I've been following the law all these years and you're gonna let this heathen, this uncircumcised Gentile come in just like that? Just all he has to do is believe? And I've been working my tail off for the last 30. So a lot of issues were, were going on. And so he's showing them Jesus wanted you guys to be unified no matter where you came from, no matter your skin color, no matter your background, no matter your economic status, accept each other. Despite your differences, despite difference of opinion and conviction, he's saying do life together, share meals together, avoid discrimination, spend time with one another, minimize differences, seek common ground, and I love it, accept others the way Christ accepted you. How did Christ accept me? With all my junk and all my baggage and all my garbage. That's how he accepted me. He welcomed me home, the prodigal son with open arms. That's how we're supposed to accept each other. And give people time to grow. Give people time to get there. It's not, a, it, life isn't about us. It's about building his kingdom. And we've got to welcome people in. It's about loving God and loving people. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, Christ did not receive us because we were perfect, because he could see no fault in us, or because he hoped to gain, somewhat, to gain somewhat at our hands. Ah, no, but in loving condescension, covering our faults and seeking our good, he welcomed us to his heart. So in the same way and with the same purpose, let us receive one another. <clears throat> really good, all right. <laughs> Prince of Preachers right there said <laughs> that, it's really good. And, and, and in, this, in this part of the passage, Paul quotes a bunch of Old Testament passages here, and he's pulling from Deuteronomy and 2 Samuel and Psalms. He's weaving the Old Testament together and showing the Jews, it's been here all along, you just didn't see it. This is the scriptures that you read where he's saying, you just didn't see it. You, you know how we say the, the, the Old Testament, it's types and shadows of what was to come? And so Paul's showing, look at this shadow here. This was the shadow of Jesus that he was showing you until your eyes saw that he was actually real. And so he's showing them in their own scriptures, he's been trying to get us to, you, this was his plan all along to get us to unite. So why are we dividing over things that don't really matter? Verse 14. He says, I'm fully convinced, my dear brothers and sisters, that you are full of goodness. That's wild. I, like, that, that's, when I read that, that stopped me because I was like, am I full of goodness? You know, are the people that he's writing to, are they full of goodness? <laughs> but I, I just thought that was funny that he said that, that he's saying that about them. I think he's prophetically declaring it. You guys are full of goodness. You're saved. You believe in Jesus. You got the Holy Spirit. You got this. And he's continuing verse 14. He says, you know these things so well, you can teach each other about them. <laughs> And so when I read that verse, I was like, so why did you just spend 15 chapters telling them things that they knew so well that they could teach others? That's what he's saying. You know these things so well that you could teach them. 
He says, even so, I have been bold enough to write about some of these points, knowing that all you need is this reminder. And I say this a lot. We go back to C.S. Lewis quote. People need to be reminded more than they need to be instructed. We need to be reminded more than we, be, we need to be instructed. And he's, he's saying like, and, and Paul right here, he is, he is totally using priestly language. He's totally showing us that we, the church, the body of Christ, we are a holy priesthood. We have been anointed by God to teach. We are disciples who make disciples. So it's not like the clergy up here and the laity down there, like there's no, there's no division now. Are there different giftings? Are there different positions in the church? Sure, absolutely. But me, Tim, and Paul, we can't disciple the guy that you work with. We're like, and we're not with you day to day, one-on-one all the time there to disciple you, but you know these things. We are, I'll say this, we are all in full-time ministry. Welcome to the ministry. I don't know if I'm full-time ministry. You're full-time saved. So you're in full-time ministry. We all, I don't care about your vocation. We're all called to do the same thing. Whatever you do to put food on the table is irrelevant. You are called to build the kingdom of God. We are called to be a city on a hill. We're called to be a light into the darkness. We're called to make disciples of all nations. And so that, that is the, the whole body of Christ, not just the ones who get up and preach. Uh, we, we are supposed to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. We co-labor with him to build his kingdom. And, you're, and you think, well, I don't, I'm, I, maybe, I don't know if I know enough to teach someone some of these things. I, I just want to encourage you, the best way to learn something is to teach it. And so if you've got somebody asking you questions, if you'll study, if you'll get in the word, and then you'll teach it to somebody else, you'll begin to know it like never before. And so if you have to teach something, if you have to study, you'll begin to know it. <coughs> Let's see. Oh, uh, and I want to say this too. Um, repetition is the best teacher. It, it's easy to wake up in the morning and think, nah, I've heard everything Tim has to say. I'm going to roll over and I'm going to go back to sleep this morning. It's kind of rainy outside, kind of dreary. I don't know if I'm, you know, it's Wednesday night. You know, we've been in this Roman series for a long time. You know, chapter 15, chapter 16 is kind of boring. I think I'm just going to stay home tonight. That is the wrong thought to have. (laughs) Repetition is a good teacher. You know them, but have you become them? You know this word, but have you become this word? And I will say this too, we, we, we so easily get off in different areas. We so easily begin to get little blind spots. And, and, and I've heard, I've talked to people where they've come and they're struggling with something and I'm like, I just preached about that last week. We had an, two Sundays ago, I talked about take heart and we had an incredible ministry time. Where were you, man? You know what I'm saying? And then, and then people said, man, I heard you preach and I heard ministry time was awesome. Man, I really wish I would have been there for that. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it's like, it's so crucial that you don't miss out on these things. I love the example that Tim uses with his cows. Well, like right now it's time for this shot. And you were off somewhere else and I just did a three-week series on fear and you were really struggling with fear and you'd come back now and you're missing it. Now you're mad at me because I'm preaching on something else that we're moving on into. And so that's why it's so important to be in church. That's why it's so important to be in the body of Christ. And I also want to encourage you in this, coming to church isn't just about you. Who is here that needs you? And people say, well, I didn't really get anything about out of worship today. Well, that's awesome because we weren't here to worship you. 
That's it. We weren't, well, I just didn't really, I didn't really feel it tonight. Well, it's not about how you feel. It's about that Jesus is worthy. God bless. <laughs> you know, what if you miss the week that you need the most? You ne- and listen, you never know where the Holy Spirit is going to lead a service. Two weeks ago, I wasn't even planning on doing ministry time. And a lot of people got healed physically, emotionally, mentally. Oh, and I wasn't even planning on it. It's just where the Spirit wanted to go. And so what if you miss a move of the spirit where it's like that Sunday, like there were going to be people here to pray for you or God wanted to use you to pray for somebody else. You're coming here, not just for yourself. You're coming here for others. We're coming here to worship the Lord, first of all, and then we're coming for other people. It's a good point, Josh. Thank you for that. (laughs) Okay. Verse 16. For by, for by God's grace, I am a special messenger from Christ Jesus to you Gentiles. I bring the good news that I might present you as an acceptable offering made holy by the Holy Spirit. Paul's saying, I have to remind you, it's my duty to present you to God as an acceptable offering, one made, ho- one made holy by the Holy Spirit. It's my, he's saying it's my duty to make sure you're walking these things out, to check on your hearts, to check on your souls, to check on your minds. And, and that's, that's me and Tim and Paul, when we're praying about Sunday morning, when we're praying about Wednesday night, when we're praying about what we need to do or where we need to go, we're, we are praying for you and we're following the leading of the Holy Spirit on what does this congregation need? What does this body need right now? And that's what Paul is saying. It's my job. I have been steward. I, I have to steward my gift and God has given me this flock that I'm supposed to shape and mold and teach and, and raise up. And so he's saying, I've got to check on you and make sure that you're acting the right way and thinking the right way. So <clears throat> even though you know this, Paul's making sure, are you doing it? Yeah. Are, you, are, you, are you just a hearer of the word? Or are you also a doer of the word? Are you actually walking these things out? <clears throat> and Paul here is saying, He's talking about who he's called to, who he's called to minister to. The, he, he was mainly called to minister to the Gentiles. And he's talking about it writing to these guys and why he's writing to these guys. But I think it's good for all of us to, to ask the question, who am I called to minister to? Because it's not just that you're coming to get ministered to by the pastor at your church, but wherever, whatever circle, whatever sphere of influence you're in, you need to ask yourself the question when you wake up in the morning, God, who do you want me to minister to today? Because we are this, we are this holy priesthood that we're, and it's, it's, we don't have to make it complicated. It can be, it can be so simple. It can be so simple where you look at your coworker and you say, they start talking about something or, 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 or talking about a struggle that they're going through. And you just simply, man, can I pray for you? It's that simple. It's that easy. You don't, you don't have to have every nuance and detail of scripture lined out. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to have a seminary degree to do ministry. You can do ministry in your workplace with your friends on the golf course, like wherever at you can do ministry every single day. We've got to release ourselves of this Sunday only morning entertainment Christianity. We've got to understand that we are the body of Christ. Is it important that we gather together and encourage one and each other and build each other up? Absolutely. It's vital, but then it's also vital that we go out there to the world and that we shine bright for all men to see. Okay. Verse 17. We're doing good. Verse 17. So I have a reason to be enthusiastic about all that Christ Jesus has done through me in my service to God. Yet I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me, bringing the Gentiles to God by my message and by the way I worked among them. They were convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's spirit. In this way, I have fully 
presented the good news of Christ from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum. My ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard, rather than where a church has already been started by someone else. I have been following the plan spoken of in the scriptures where it says, those who have never been told about him will see him, and those who have never heard of him will understand. In fact, my visit to you has been delayed so long because I have been preaching in other places. Okay, first part here in 17 through 19, Paul's saying, I I can't boast about this in my own strength. Rather, it's God working through me. It's by his grace and by his power alone. And so after he's done telling us, like, you're the priesthood, get in the game. He's saying, don't take credit for it. Don't take credit for what happens because it's God and God alone. He, and Paul here will only glory in what Christ has done, which is a great thing for us to learn from. It's not about us. It's not about our glory. It all goes to him. And so, you know, we really shouldn't glory in anything. Our job, our accomplishments, our money, our family, our kids, everything we accomplish is all because of the grace of God. All the glory goes to him. Nothing deserves glory like God deserves glory. And so everything that happens in our life, we have to be sure that all the glory goes to him. I was talking to my students today. It's such an incredible, just simple, practical thing I was saying about when we eat delicious food, we actually, it can be more enjoyable for the believer than the unbeliever because the believer glories in God. Thank you, Lord, that you're so creative and that you're so amazing that you, that you made it possible for this food to be made. And so we, even when we just, something simple as eating food, that we can respond in thanksgiving to God rather than glorying in ourselves because nothing will destroy us like glorying in ourselves. Nothing will destroy us by like becoming self-centered and say, look what I did, look what I accomplished, look at what all these things. Everything we do is by the grace of God and we glory in him because he, he put us there. It, it's, so, it's so silly. <laughs> It'd be so silly for like, uh, I'll, I'll use like Shaquille O'Neal for an example. He's a retired basketball player, but surely everybody in the room, really big guy, 7-1, won a bunch of championships, 7-1, 350 pounds, won a ton of championships. It's really silly for Shaq to glory in himself because he didn't choose to be 7-1 and 350 pounds. Did he work on his craft? Sure. Well, I mean, he couldn't make a free throw, but you know, he, he, you know, he could, he could stand on his tiptoes and throw a ball through a net and it, but he didn't choose to be that big. That was a natural gifting. That was something that God put in him. And so whatever you do, whatever God has put on the inside of you, that is a gifting and a talent and ability that God has put on the inside of you to accomplish for the day or to accomplish for the year, to accomplish in your life. The purpose in calling on God on your life is not for you to take credit and glory for. It's for us to point back to him and say, man, he's good. Man, he's good. Not that you can't be weird and not take a compliment, but in your heart and to other people, Paul's saying, boast about him. Boast about him. Verse 19 is one of my favorite verses in Romans. It's really, really, really incredible. Um, He says, they were convinced by the power of of miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's spirit in this way, I have fully presented the good news of Christ. One of my favorites, I believe that the gospel is, that a gospel absent of power is not the full gospel. The gospel absent of power is not the full gospel. First Corinthians 4.20 says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but a matter of power. And so it's not just in what we say. It's not just making disciples of all nations isn't about going out and getting everybody to repeat a prayer. 
Paul said they were fully convinced because it was followed by signs and wonders. They were fully convinced because people's lives were changed, hearts were changed, people were healed, things, com- things were completely transformed, where, where there was no explanation but, man, something's, the Holy Spirit has to be here. God's power has to be here. And so the, I, I believe a gospel absent of power is not the full gospel. A gospel absent of the Holy Spirit is not the full gospel. And so the gospel is always accompanied by power. Verse 20 and 22, Paul has this deep desire to take the gospel where it hasn't been heard. He has this holy ambition and it wasn't it wasn't to build the largest church. It wasn't to get the most followers or to have the most influence. It, it, it wasn't a competition to him. And it, he, he wasn't saying that it was wrong to set up shop where somebody else had been, but he was saying, I'm following the scriptures. I'm following the call of God on my life to take this to the Gentiles, to take this to all the places that have not heard about Jesus. He wanted to know who Jesus was. And he's, and he's even saying, I want to come to you really bad. He's telling the church in Rome, I want to be there with you but you're doing well. And so I'm going to take the name of Jesus to all these places that aren't doing well. I'm going to take the name of Jesus to all these people's people who don't know him. And, and <clears throat> I want to say this, if you're doing well, don't grow weary in well-doing. Sometimes if your pastor or your leader or your mentor um, doesn't notice you or doesn't have a meeting with you, sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it's because you're doing good. Sometimes it's because, you know, things are going really well in life. And so if things are going well and you don't become insecure, insecure and say, well, you know, Josh doesn't care about me because he hasn't met with me or whatever. No, maybe, maybe you're doing good. <laughs> so while you're doing good, don't grow insecure because your leader doesn't notice you. Lead and teach others. That's what the call is to do there. there, you know, there comes a time in your life where there comes a time in your Christian walk where you don't need as much attention and accountability as you used to have. So don't let insecurity or a codependency take place on you because your leader's not always noticing you. And, and I think it's also important here that we, that we learn from Paul that it's important that we don't just hide out in our church, that we build his kingdom, that we make our community look more like heaven. Amen. All right, let's look at verse 23. Let's read to the end here. Verse 23 through 33. He says, but now I have finished my work in this region. And after all these long years of waiting, I'm eager to visit you. I am planning to go to Spain. And when I do, I will stop off in Rome. And after I have enjoyed your fellowship for a little while, (laughs) this is fun. You can provide for my journey. (laughs) I love that part. He's not like asking. He's like telling him after we've hung out for a while, you can pay for me to continue on. (laughs) Verse 25. But before I come, I must go to Jerusalem to take a gift to the believers there. For you see, the believers in Macedonia and Achaia have eagerly taken up an offering for the poor among the believers in Jerusalem. They were glad to do this because they feel they owe a real debt to them. Since the Gentiles received the spiritual blessings of the good news from the believers in Jerusalem, they feel the least they could do in return is to help them financially. As soon as I've delivered this money and completed the good deeds of theirs, I will come to see you on my way to Spain. I'm sure that when I come, Christ will richly bless our time together. Now, dear brothers and sisters, I urge you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to join in my struggle by praying to God for me. Do this because of your love for me given to you by the Holy Spirit. Pray that I will be rescued from those in Judea who refuse to obey God. Pray also that the believers there will be willing to accept the donation I am taking Jerusalem. Then, by the will of God, 
God will be able to come to you with a joyful heart and will be an encouragement to each, and we will be an encouragement to each other. And now may God who gives us his peace be with you all. Amen. I think it's interesting, you know, how, how Paul longed to go to Rome, but didn't go to Rome. There are things in life that we want to do that may not be time for us to do it. How did Paul make his decisions about where he was going? Many times he, every time he probably prayed about it, but he was led by the spirit on where he was supposed to go and what he was supposed to do. And I'll, I'll tell you this, the spirit doesn't always lead you where you want to go. The spirit many times is going to lead you where you don't want to go, or the spirit's going to lead you to do something that you don't feel like doing. Many times I have impulses from the Holy Spirit to do something. And in my mind, in my flesh, I'm going, Mm-mm. I don't want to go talk to that person. I don't want to go meet with that person. I don't want to call that guy right now. He's going to talk to me for two hours. I don't want to whatever. You know what I mean? And so like, but, but if there's an impulse of the spirit there, many times it's not going to be what you want to do. And then sometimes, if you read the book of Acts, sometimes Paul just made a decision. Which is good for us to know. Because what if you're asking God what to do and he doesn't tell you? What you do is you walk in your calling. What God has called and purpose for you to do, continue to do that. And so when Paul didn't know where to go, he, he could look at a map and go, that city hasn't heard the gospel, I'm going to go there. Instead, instead of like just camping out and waiting, and many t- sometimes Paul had a vision. Paul even had a vision when he was about to go to Jerusalem. He had a vision that he was going to be arrested. And he still went because that's where the Lord was telling him to go. <clears throat> sometimes it won't make the most sense. Sometimes it will make sense. I think, I think in every decision that we make, we should pray about. Now, I say every decision with a grain of salt there. You know, you're at, the, you know, you're at McDonald's praying about what to get. You know, I don't think really, I think there's some things that God does not care, you know, necessarily care about. (laughs) Um, But it's interesting. If he had gotten to go to Rome when he wanted to go to Rome, we might not have the letter of Romans. And this is one of the most incredible piece, if not the most incredible piece of theological work that we have. It helps us understand so much about our Christian walk, the way that we're saved, the way that we're justified, the way that we're sanctified, how we're supposed to live, how we're supposed to respond to the Lord. There's so much in Romans. Obviously, we've spent like 25 weeks on it. There's so much in here. If he had gone to Rome when he wanted to, he may not have written a letter to him. And so that's incredible. So you, you may want to get somewhere. You may want to be somewhere in life that you're not yet. Don't get frustrated because God's doing something in you and through you right now. There might be some, there may be some blessings that you might miss out along the way if you just automatically get to where you want to be. There might be some maturity that needs to take place before you can have what God has promised you. And so don't grow weary, don't get discouraged because you don't always get to where you want to be right away because you might be listening out on, on, on different things. So pray about every decision. When it's not clear, follow the call of God on your life and, and let the call of God on your life make all your yeses for you and all your noes for you. Real easy, real simple, real practical. Let it make your yeses for you and your noes for you. And your nose for you. God can use feelings for sure, but don't ever let feelings come above this. <laughs> Seek first the kingdom. <laughs> Seek first the kingdom. God has given us free will. I think sometimes we make it more complicated than it is. Um, God, Psalms thirty-seven four, He gives you the desires of your heart. But the first part of that verse is when you delight yourself in Him. And so you delight yourself in him and he gives you the desires of your heart when your desires line up with his desires. See, many times we want to do our plan with God sponsoring it 
instead of what his plan actually is for our life. <laughs> and Paul, listen, Paul got to Rome, but he didn't get the way, there the way he wanted to get there. He got there, he showed up in chains. He showed up, he was arrested and had a ship, shipwreck and all kind of stuff. And a lot of people believe that he actually did get to go to Spain. I personally believe that he got executed in Rome. That Rome was the end of the line for him. Because we don't have any letters after Paul got to Rome. Or we don't have, his letters kind of end there. You would have think we would have gotten a letter once he got to Spain back to other churches that he cared about. But we don't see that. Now, that doesn't really matter. But I think it's interesting that where God was still using him because maybe Rome was the end of the line. And so God still had some things for him to do before Paul got to where he wanted to be because where he wanted to be might have been the end of the line for him. Anyway, that, don't mean that for that to be a downer. So, <laughs> all right, let's, let's, uh, let's end with a couple thoughts here. It's interesting, he also asked them for money. <laughs> he kind of tells them, like, you're gonna provide for my journey. He didn't, Paul didn't always do this. He didn't do it with the Corinthians. Um, he, he was a tent maker. He did do some things to provide for himself. But, but after the Corinthians, you kind of get the feeling in his second letter, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he, you kind of get the feeling that him not asking anything from them made them entitled, made them entitled to him um, for not taking anything, anything from them. Um, in asking for money here, we got to know that Paul's not being, he's not manipulating. He's not twisting their arm. Uh, you know, it, it's wrong for pastors, leaders, missionaries, evangelists to money grub, to manipulate. Um, you know, you turn on TBN and the guy says like, you know, if you'll send in a thousand dollars, like God will bless you with $10,000. And it's like, well, maybe. Um, <laughs> and a lot of people give to that because they're greedy. Not because they actually want to bless that man's ministry, but so that they can get something. And, and Paul's not doing that. Um, it, it, I think it's weird sometimes to just give to ministries only to get something back. It's kind of odd. Um, but it also seems wrong to not give to ministries that you have been, been ministered to by. It seems like it makes us entitled, even in ministry, to just expect our church leaders, our pastors, and our workers just to make it happen for us. We've got to understand, again, we are the body, we are the church. If this is the location that, that we are going to meet, then it seems that we are all obligated to fund that ministry. And now, Tim, Tim killer teaching on the tithe Sunday morning. If you missed that, that was, that was absolutely incredible. It, it, but it's easy, especially in the culture in which we live, where we come in and we think, I want the lights on and I want the heat and air on and I want nice bathrooms and I want a coffee shop and I want worship leaders and pastors to blow my mind. I want them to spend time in prayer and I want them to read the word and I want the ministry to be, but I'm not gonna give a dime for it to happen. That just... <laughs> It just doesn't seem right. That, that is a weird, entitled, really perverted thinking of a place to be. <clears throat> it is not wrong for pastors and church leaders to be supported by people. There is a principle here that teachers should be supported by those that they minister to. 1 Timothy 5.18, Paul says, don't, you don't muzzle the ox. A worker deserves to be paid. Can it be abused? Yeah, absolutely it can be abused. Did Paul abuse it by, by telling them they were going to pay for his ministry? No, <laughs> the idea is blessing and supplying for the ministry that ministers to you. Now, I will say this, tithe always goes to your local church. <clears throat> tithe always goes to your local church, but if there's another ministry, another podcast, another conference, something that you watch or something that you minister to by, I believe that Paul is saying, 
in principally in some of his letters that you have an obligation to give to that ministry. It's like you're going to drink out of a well without paying for the water. It's like you're going to just take something from without giving to, without supporting what's going on in them. Man, it got real quiet in here, <laughs> But, and I'm not saying that you have to give a lot or that you have to give weekly, that you have to give monthly. I'm saying you should ask the Lord because the, to support whatever ministry has been feeding something. I think it's a principle that something you partake of that you give into. Because many times when you don't, it makes you entitled. And it makes, it, it's weird. It's, maybe it's, you know, public school system that did it to us. I don't know, you know, where we think everything can be free, but not everything is free. So I I just, I think it's a really, I think it's a, it's a good principle. Paul is asking here for help so that he can go help people with what is given to him. We have ministries, we have missionaries from our church that we send money to, and it's people that we vetted, it's people that we served with. We give a lot of money to Alvin Anderson in Honduras. I don't know if I've ever heard him speak. I think it's really key that we are here when he's here, that we listen to him talk. He's not up here money grubbing. He's not up here asking so that he can go live the high life in Honduras. I don't know if there is a high life in Honduras, but he's, he's down there. He's in the trenches every day working to build the kingdom of God. He's in prisons. He's in the streets. He's in his church. He's actively making disciples. He's actively feeding the poor. He's actively teaching kids. He's actively preaching the gospel. And so when, when one of our missionaries comes and they share, I think we have an obligation to fund his ministry. I think we have an obligation to give into his ministry. I've never felt like Alvin was asking for a handout. And Alvin actually has a coffee business where he sells coffee and a percentage of that funds his business. So it's like he's a tent maker himself funding his business. He's not up here trying to twist people's arm to, get him, to give him money. So anyway, verse 30, I'm closing, I promise. Because Paul closes asking for prayer, almost begging for prayer. We all need prayer. If the apostle Paul needed prayer, you need prayer. If the apostle Paul need prayer, me and Tim and Paul need prayer. We're supposed to pray for everyone. But he says, he says, struggle in the place of prayer for me. He says, struggle in the place of prayer for me because of your love for me placed there by the Holy Spirit and pray that I can come to you so that we can encourage one another. We've got to understand that prayer is a weapon. Prayer is a weapon. Prayer is us agreeing with God. Intercession is loosing the power of God. We're supposed to pray for our leaders, our missionaries, our pastors, our leaders. And, and, and listen, I actually would say that it is easier to give money to a ministry than it is to pray for that ministry. It's a lot easier to throw a couple, because we just have an abundance of everything. We don't have any needs, really. It's easy to throw a dollar in the plate. It's hard to go in your office or in your secret place every day and struggle in the place of prayer for that person. And and, and the word he uses here is like agonize with me in prayer. The only other time we see this word in the New Testament is where Jesus is agonizing in the place of prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. We are supposed to engage in prayer. It's not a passive relationship. We are coming to agreement with and co-laboring with God's sovereign intention for all of creation. Could God just snap his fingers and make it happen? Yeah, but he wants to use us. He wants to use us. He wants, us to, he wants to join with us. There is a battle going on in the unseen realm. There's a battle going on and prayer is our weapon. Prayer is our weapon. Paul is asking that people will, he's asking because he's about to go be arrested. He's saying, pray that they'll accept me. Pray that they'll accept my ministry in Jerusalem. Don't, and he's not saying rebuke those people. He's saying, pray for those people that their walls will come down. 
And so lift up people in prayer. So when we go into places, when we're going, like pray, like have, have your brothers and sisters pray for you so that you can be a light at work. So that pray, he's not saying, you know, rebuke those people or call those people down or whatever. We're supposed to pray for even unbelievers that their walls would come down so that they would accept the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Pray that the will of God will be done. God is looking for people that will come into agreement with his will through prayer. Um, and then <clears throat> before his goodbyes, which is in verse 16, um, he prays that the God of peace will be with them, that the God of peace will be with them. It's, it's almost like he, kn- he knows what's coming and he's saying, no matter what happens, whether I make it or not, may God give you peace. May you pray that God give me peace, a peace that passes all understanding. Amen? Amen, Amen. Amen. you made it. Stand with me. Next week, we're going to finish. It's going to be awesome. Romans 16, it's very overlooked, but if God put it in here, it's important and we need to study it and we need to, we need to know it and we need to know it. And there's actually some really neat things that happen in Romans 16, but many times we don't spend the time to dive into it and to look at it. So I really want to encourage you back to, to, to come back next week for the closing. So let's pray. God, we thank you so much for tonight. We thank you so much for your word. Lord, I thank you so much for our junior high leaders and our children's church leaders that are leading our young people tonight. Lord, I ask that you would bless them. Lord, I thank you for this congregation. I thank you for everyone that made the sacrifice to come and sit under your word tonight. Lord, help us to live in unity with each other. Help us to get over our little differences, God. Help us to love one another more fully so that the world may know that you are real. God, as we leave here, let us not leave our Christianity in this building, but let us shine bright for you in our homes, in our schools, in our workplaces, in our families. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for your son. God, we bless your name. Amen. You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com.